You are listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith in life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. Recorded on the Boggy Bayou of Niceville, Florida, and hosted by James Ross and Justin Wyatt, pastors at Church on Bayshore, this podcast dives into how to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. We are excited this week to kick off a new three-week series on foster care, adoption, and orphan care. Uh, But before we do that, I want to welcome my co-host, James Ross, lead pastor here at Church on Bayshore, and uh, say, hey, how you doing? Yeah, doing great. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, not in the 90s and 80s. It's in the 70s and 80s now. <laughs> right. It's cooled off a little bit. Yeah. It's dark at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I, know. I know. You're sweating in the dark at 3 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon in Florida. Welcome to Florida. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and I also, you know, now that we're like in November, it's like there's that like, okay, Christmas is coming. And I don't know, every year about this time, you know, I feel like our family, our kids just kind of lose their minds because it's like they they know it's Christmas. They know the end of the school year or semester's coming. But this year, 2020, I feel like we hit that point like in July. <laughs> so I don't know. How's your family doing? Your yeah, kids yeah. lost their minds yet? Yeah, it's just loud all the time. So, all the time. Yeah, because they're inside more, you know, again, you know, so it's like, whew. Yeah, it, goodness. yes, it is. It's loud inside. And I think, you know, even when you're like quiet, they're like, okay, we'll be quiet. And it's just louder when you tell them to be quiet. Chrissy so. would probably say that about me as well. <laughs> just FYI. So. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we are kicking off our, uh, our three-week series on adoption, foster care, and orphan care. And uh, we just want to start by it because this month, actually, back it up and say this, November is National Adoption Month. I know that we feel like Nowadays, everything has its month or its day, but this is yeah. a big one, I, I believe, and uh, and it should be a big one for the church. And so as we talk, as we start this morning, uh, why don't you just share a little bit about why we felt compelled, why, why we decided to go this route? Yeah, mainly because you told me that November was <laughs> National, National Adoption Month. Hey, so, there you go. <laughs> um, no, the reason is the Bible... <laughs> <laughs> and his Bible is a clear, lot bigger than mine here. It's, so it's far and more open, spiritual. And so. open. <laughs> and open. But uh, no, I, you know, the scripture is very clear uh, for Christians. And this is Old Testament and New Testament that, you know, caring for the orphan, uh, among other vulnerable, should be something that is uh, a part of our lives. And so, um, you know, it's a part of our lives. And I think it should be a part of our church's lives. And if you're a believer watching this, your life as well. And, you know, just to kind of help people understand a little bit about um, uh, our connection, our connection, that our sounds connection. So, uh, you know, man love, bro love. But um, I, we were in the same town uh, at different churches and uh, connected just as, as pastors and um, had some similar uh, passions, I think, because of the scripture uh, for um, local community ministry, global missions and then um, orphan care as well. And, you know, Justin and his church, Emmanuel Baptist Church in Crestview, uh, were EBC <laughs> farther ahead in that journey than the church I was pastoring, Mosaic. And so we really just kind of started trying to learn from you guys and what you were doing. So I think that would probably be a good starting place this month is why don't you tell people, because uh, not a lot of our church knows, 
uh, kind of what God did and uh, at Emmanuel, and you know, and, and still doing even though you're not there anymore, you know, because yeah. things still happen good, even though just amazingly. There. So there's some amazing people there doing, still doing amazing things. Yeah. I'll try to make this as quick as possible, but, um, really I think it began, uh, with multiple families, God doing, uh, things in multiple families all at the same time, but none of us knew he was doing it. Uh, and, and so there were several families, our family included, uh, and we were friends with that God was placing it on our, our hearts to pursue foster care and adoption or adoption all at the same time. And, uh, you know, as we, Christy and I began praying about it, one of the things that we uh, felt the Lord really impressed upon our hearts is that as we began this process, that we were not supposed to do it alone, that we were supposed to bring others with us. Um, and then we had a friend who um, didn't know that uh, that we were doing this, and she called and said, I've been praying for you guys, and I feel really impressed to just share this with you. And she kind of confirmed uh, just something that she felt uh, that God was doing in our family. It was just a, a, a unique thing, and it confirmed, and we were like, okay. So then uh, we started talking to some friends about this and realized, like, God's doing this in, in them too, and they were feeling some of the same things. And so this, this group of families uh, was, I think, five or six families at the time. Uh, we just said, hey, we're going to pray about this for three months. We're not going to do anything yet because we don't want to get ahead of what God is doing. And so... Um, at the end of three months, we got together uh, after having prayed through it, and everyone was just on the same page in terms of, like, we've got to engage this church, our church, uh, in, in caring for the orphan. And it was great. Uh, we, it was a beautiful thing because every family was really responding in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some were pursuing foster care. Some were pursuing adoption through the state. Some, our family was pursuing at the time, international adoption ended up with private domestic adoption, uh, and some were pursuing international adoption. And so uh, it was this beautiful thing. And over time, uh, God continued to, it was just kind of this ball, ball that snowball that got rolling down a hill and it just kept picking up momentum. Uh, and as we were going, we were learning. And I will say that there are some, some folks on that team who just were, um, I mean, God just worked in and through them, not just in their families, but uh, just really in casting this vision. And it really was a, a full team effort. It was not me. It was not any one individual. It was a full team effort. Um, and really other church leaders, the other pastors were on board, saw this vision, and we were all foster adoptive families as well as through the process yeah. moving forward. And so we learned a lot as we went. Uh, we changed a lot of things. Uh, and we just said, how can we as the church uh, care for the needs of kids in our community? And it really just started with their there are kids in our community uh, who need loving families. And yeah. the church is, should be full of loving families. Um, and so over time, uh, you know, in the uh, seven years uh, from that time to when we uh, left that church uh, to come here, um, God had uh, raised up. Um, I, and I don't want to be a pastor who inflates numbers, so I'm not. I'm going to be very conservative in this. One thousand. One thousand. One million. <laughs> yeah. um, but over thirty families uh, yeah. in those years, um, mm. and representing well over two hundred kids mm. Mm. Uh, that were brought into families, uh, some for weeks, some for forever. Um, and I know that there's more 
still mm-hmm. happening and because that that team that group is still casting that vision and really leading the way and engaging uh the community and one of the things too that we felt really compelled about was we want to come around and support the local agencies that are working in foster care uh, because social work is a tiring job mm-hmm. and and it's hard it's and not like ministry not at all where, <laughs> where we only work one day a week right it's, yes yeah. but it's it's and so we wanted to come alongside uh those in the profession and, and support them and, su- and then ultimately support families who yeah. were caring. Because I think one of the things that we found was that families were passionate as they got into it. And then um, there are, are definitely uh, some hard things, yeah. and we'll talk about this more, that come along with foster care and adoption uh, dynamics at play with mainly because of trauma that kids have experienced. And uh, we found that we needed to really kick into high gear ways to support families yeah. uh, on the long haul. So I'm going to ask you several questions and, you know, we talk about this sometimes and I'll just back, back up and say one of the reasons that I felt like the Lord was, you know, calling you here uh, was because we wanted to see this happen in Niceville and we felt like this church had the potential to, you know, multiply that even more than, you know, than we'd seen so far. So, so first let me ask because I know you're viewing it from your experiences. You've also served on the board for One More Child, so you kind of know what God's doing um, beyond just doing, not doing. <laughs> doing it. Beyond doing it. just, you know, this no, area. He's doing it. You're thinking about our church and how you want to see engaged, and you're thinking beyond that. So the first question is, why should the local church be engaged in orphan care? The Bible. <laughs> to, to quote a pastor I heard. Yeah. Um, really, I think it is a clear... Uh, call from scripture to care for those who cannot care for themselves. You know, James 127 is that true religion is this, we care for the widow and the orphan. And I think that speaks to a, a people group that is uh, vulnerable, that cannot defend themselves. You know, we see this throughout the scripture that God, you know, refers to himself you know, in Psalms. He's the father to the fatherless. So ultimately, uh, because we as Christians were orphans, uh, we have been adopted into the family of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we recognize that there is a call for the for the Christian to be part of this restoration of of children and families. And so the church, um, you know, historically has been known for this. You know, uh, in the early church, the church, Christians were known uh, for caring for abandoned mm-hmm. children. And Christians were known for this. It's it's just a calling of God. And a command of the church to care for those who can't care for themselves. We see that see that see that throughout Scripture. You know, our our missions team is really prioritized. Uh, you know, with church planting and um, engagement, also our, our our ministries to to serve widows, orphans, uh, the the poor, and sojourners for for people groups. I guess you could say we mm-hmm. see throughout Scripture where there's clear commands to serve. Okay. So, yeah. So so. Um... Next question, and answer this for the individual and then for the church leadership. So if someone is saying, hey, I'm supposed to do something about this, what do they do? What's their next step? And then how does a church facilitate people taking that step? Well, there's literally no end to options. Uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll quote one of my our best friends. As she began this process, she was single. Uh, and uh, at the time, Christy wasn't single. Not Christy. <laughs> one of our best friends. She was all <laughs> part kidding. of the uh, one of our, um, and, and she was part of this group that began this at Emmanuel. And she said this uh, at the time, as single, you know, in her thirties, 
and said, I just kept waiting and thinking that I knew God had called me to this, but I kept thinking I should wait till I get married. And then she said, I was reading the scripture and suddenly realized there's no loophole <laughs> yeah. that says only do this if. Right. And so that led her to foster care and then adoption, you know, and yeah. then later God brought a husband into her, her life. Yeah. But, you know, I think we can make excuses. So let me back it up. You asked about how people can respond. Well, you can bring kids into your home uh, through foster care, through adoption. Uh, you can, uh, there's, goodness, I could talk a long time on this. So um, you can support families who are doing that. There's a myriad of ways the church can and should uh, do that. Uh, you can, uh, whether that's through physical support, uh long-term support, financial, uh, in terms of helping with adoption costs. Um, there's ways to engage this um, in in the system, serving as guardian ad litem. I think that is a great way for, for believers to be involved in the system. Um, and you can, there's organizations that do orphan care ministry around the world that are gospel focused. You know, I think of One More Child, I think of Heart of the Bride that's here, the Niceville community that works in other areas that offer uh, sponsorships. Those are just scratching the surface of yeah. ways that people can respond. And then I, I also don't want to neglect um, the unseen work of prayer mm-hmm. in this. Uh, and and then as a church, you know, we have to say, okay, we want to organize ourselves and structure ourselves in such a way that uh, we are caring for kids well. Uh, and that means uh, being informed about uh, some of the, the hardships that mm-hmm. kids may have experienced in their lives uh, prior to coming into a family. And then the continuing nurture and care mm-hmm. that they need. And how do we support families? How do we as, as a kid's ministry, how do we as a student ministry uh, support families who, who may for a long time deal with really hard things because mm-hmm. of, of trauma experienced uh, mm-hmm. by a child? So um, we've got to ask those questions. And we've got to be persistent in pursuing what it looks like. So for a church that says, hey, we want to facilitate as many of our members doing something. um, And we want to revolve how we do church around the fact that the vulnerable are coming here, the orphans specifically. What are the challenges that a church is going to face if they take that call seriously? I think it requires the church... First, and this shouldn't be a challenge for a church, but we have to be so saturated in the gospel mm-hmm. and our calling as Christians that, you know, Jesus calls us to lay down our lives uh, and and to take up our cross and follow him. And, and really that is, and that's what Jesus has done for us. And so we as a church have to be willing to do that. It means that um, as a church, we've got to find ways, uh, we've got to talk about it and realize that that will make some people uncomfortable mm-hmm. to talk about it. Uh, and I think we've we've done some of that, and we're going to, you know, Lord willing, continue to talk about it more, raise awareness of needs. Um, and then it requires us to say, okay, so if we're going to tell families and, and show families in Scripture our calling and, and encourage people, regardless of stage of life, you know, I would love to see some empty nesters open up their homes, just saying, you've got experience with, with kids, and let's, we, we just need more of that, especially for teens in our area. But um, it's going to require people to reorient their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest thing. You know, I think about our own family, and I think about families that we know that have uh, done this. And it's required us to change things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really has. And I, that's not to say that we're super spiritual. You know, we, it's just to say, like, Jesus is worth it. 
you know, there's families in our church who have done this, who have really, you know, reoriented their lives. And, you, you know, we, Scripture tells us to count the cost, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you count the cost ahead of time, and you know, like, this is going to change things. But you don't know how it's going to change things mm-hmm. until you're having to say, wow, we can't do that as a family mm-hmm. because we— because of the dynamics we have going on. Right. We don't yeah. have time to get into all that. Whether but that's I think foster care or adoption. Exactly, yeah. foster yeah. care or adoption. And we as a church have to be willing to understand, uh, mm-hmm. to learn things about specifically about trauma and its impact on kids. Um, you know, we it may mean that we have to change how we do some things in, in kids' ministry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thankful we have leadership that I believe is willing and has been willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's just to accommodate uh, kids who, you know, like the church should be the most welcoming place, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I'll, I'll share this. You know, when we brought our, our first, uh, when Isaac, he, we, we brought him home and he was 13 months. And, and it was a hard transition for him, you know, even at that early age. But outside of our home, this is a, a credit to some incredible volunteers. Church was the first place he felt safe. Mm. And it's because there were uh, two women mm. who were, I don't know how old they were. If they're listening, forgive me. I'm going to say they're in their 60s because that's, you know. They're actually and, in their 40s and they're really <laughs> offended right now. <laughs> but they, they saw as their calling mm. to serve in kids ministry in that age group. And they were there every week, mm-hmm. every week, Giving unless they were sick. And yeah. so the consistency yeah. for kids is huge. Yeah. And I can't, you know, and, you know, they, the dynamics in their family, they, they, they could not at yeah. this time bring kids into their home. But that's one of them. And they've supported in many other ways. But I'll say that is just one small way that churches, we have to say, okay, I'm going to have to make sacrifices, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, you know, that's a sacrifice. We had three services mm-hmm. just like we do here, and, and they were there all the time to make sure that kids who, and they saw that as the kids who were going to be coming into care in foster care through adoption had consistency because that vision, mm-hmm. their vision was mm-hmm. we want kids to love to come to church and mm-hmm. feel safe to come to church. So that's just one example of like, it's a, it's a reorientation and we, and that requires sacrifice. And I think um, what we see in many people as we have conversations is that we love the idea like mm. if you talk to a Christian, they're like, yeah, foster care adoption, that's amazing. Mm. And we love it as an idea and we love it as a principle from scripture. But when it comes, and this is really like most matters of faithfulness and obedience in ministry, when mm. it comes time to actually changing things about our lives, changing our schedules, changing our yeah. finances, changing our time, changing mm. community, I don't, you know, how we do things. That's where people are like, eh, I'm just not so sure about yeah. this anymore. Yeah, that's and, that's that's, and and you know, and we're running out of time, but because um, you can tell, you know, Justin is passionate about this. <laughs> I'll talk about this. About, yeah, it's great. That's I mean, that's one of the reasons I love you and I'm thankful to have you as a partner in ministry. I think, you know, maybe you could speak a little more to this, but you know, for me, the challenge, the challenge as a pastor, truly is, um, you know what you said, I don't think people reorient their lives, but I think the ultimate problem is they're not reorienting their lives around God. Yeah. And And like, you know, I'm really not anti like kids activities, kids, all this stuff, but it's like for us, we just decided, okay, we're okay. So we have all these things we want our kids to be engaged in our biological children, you know, to be engaged in. And we know we're called to orphan care. One of those things is in the Bible 
Yeah. And one of those things is not. So we're, we're doing both. But if one has to suffer, it's not the calling of God right. on our lives. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, two things I'd say to that. One is that, you know, I think a lot of times people, that's one major objection I hear from people a lot of times is, well, we just aren't sure how it's going to affect our biological kids. And let me tell you, I there is zero judgment. In fact, you should ask that question. Yeah, absolutely. How is this going to affect our biological kids if you have biological kids? And, um, and I'm not the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's a good thing for all of us. But and so I don't judge anyone's answer to that question. However, I would say, because something to consider is, what if this is what needs to happen <laughs> in your home and in your mm-hmm. family for your biological Amen. kids to fully understand the gospel? Mm-hmm. We have to say, like, we have to be okay you know, I think for my kids too, I think biological kids, they, you know, part of this for us, kind of the cost was recognizing that there's things, activities, opportunities that we've had to say no to or not now to um, because this is, we wanted to be faithful in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. You know, to see them start to understand, oh, you know what, I can't, but it's, it's okay because, yeah. it's okay because, you know, can you imagine our life without this child? Could you imagine right. our family without this? And it's just, it's cool to see that start clicking in them. And, and ultimately I just think at the end of the day, like our kids, I hope this is true. And you know, they're going to have stuff to work through one, because we all have stuff to work through with their, their parents. Dad. Yeah, I'm their dad. <laughs> They're going to have to work through issues. I mean, they are just like we all do. Yeah. I really pray that, you know, as we talk to them and they understand, they look back on their lives one day that they'll understand that Jesus is worth it. And that, you know, a child having a family, being a part of our family was worth not getting to go on that trip or not getting to do that Mm -hmm. activity because we want to be citizens of the kingdom. Yeah. I guess maybe kind of final question to wrap this up. So you're welcome to push back to this. So I do believe there are families who, you know, can't, Adopt, can't foster. Absolutely. However, my opinion in our church, in our context, is those families should be the exception. Where I would say right now, our families and the adoptive families are the exception. That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, as I say this first, recognize, I just said this, neither one of us, no one in our church is the Holy Spirit. And so I can't judge anyone's thoughts or motives. I do think um, that there are many more, and I don't walk around. <laughs> I don't walk around church or like scrolling like they should do this. They should do this. They why aren't they? Because that's one. I don't have time or brain capacity to do that. But I do think that given the the resources of this community. I think given the, re- like, not just the material resources, I think of the spiritual resources that people have. We have some people mm-hmm. from some amazing families who, mm-hmm. like, just know the word, love the Lord, are solid people. Um, so we, we have our community, and we are a church of resources, and given that, there are more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a list of names. I pray for people specifically uh, and in general that will will see this and respond. And um, I just think a lot of times people look at other people and say, well, that's their calling. And I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I believe that God does 
laid on people and call them to adopt. But I don't mm-hmm. think that's specific mm-hmm. necessarily as much mm-hmm. as it's a general call, and we have to figure out our role in that. Mm. Um, I do. I do think there are many people, maybe listening, uh, who've never considered it, who maybe should, um, mm-hmm. and we're praying for that. <clears throat> yeah, and I would just say, you know, that I'm also. I also don't have a list. And um, it is hard work um, for sure. And so um, know that going in and Mm -hmm. it is, you don't go into it without it affecting your life. Um, But I think our commitment is to build a community uh, of people who are doing what the scripture says and caring for whoever's around them. And so I pray that more and more we would see this as a fabric of what that means as we support one another. And we are committed to doing whatever we can uh, as as church leaders to help you uh, in that journey. I guess maybe a bonus question and then wrap it up. All right. So I'm I'm the lead pastor of our church. I don't mean like I'm the lead pastor of our church. but <laughs> yeah, like He walks I around am, saying that all the and time. I do know that some of my <laughs> other pastor friends will be watching this or listening to this. What does the church need? from the lead pastor uh, on this. and then I think know. the big thing for lead pastors would be to think in the mindset of orphan care, adoption, foster care ministry is not another ministry to add on to a list of ministries. Mm. It, it should just be a natural rhythm of your church. Mm. And if you, uh, if you don't understand it, if you think, hey, that's a great idea, but find someone to help you flesh that out, whether it's talking to another pastor whose church is doing this, um, organizations that help. Our foster care system here in our area is begging churches to engage. Mm-hmm. And I think, why does this? Why should the state mm-hmm. have to come to churches and beg them to engage? The church should just be like knocking on the door saying, how can we help? How can we help? And that is happening with many churches, you know, I think uh, in our area and across the state, you know, that's happening. I think if you're a lead pastor, just don't view this as one more thing, but say, okay, how do we say we, we've got to obey in this and then cast the vision and, and then follow it up with action, whether that means opening your own home, facilitating that, doing whatever you can to make it happen. I, I think that if it doesn't stem, you know, most churches are like this, if it doesn't stem from the lead pastor and, and support from that position, then ultimately you're going to have some people who uh, get mm. frustrated um, and and burn out because they feel like they don't have support. That's good. You know, and I think that's it's that's way with a lot of ministries, but this one is don't view it as just another ministry. Yeah, that's good. Well, I kind of took over as host of the podcast. I don't know yeah, if we have an right. official host, but <laughs> next week, Justin just did a great job talking you into this, and I'm going to talk you out of it as we talk <laughs> about uh, when orphan care is not the gospel, and mm-hmm. so we look forward to that. I'll go ahead and let you know in two weeks, uh, our wives are going to be joining us and talking about our stories and have much more. Uh, You'll want to hear them share. because yeah. one, they're amazing. Two, they they are passionate. Three, they're really well-spoken on this yeah. because, I mean, they live it yes. all the time. Like yes. we, uh, right now in our stages of life, like we leave the house. And go and, do podcasts so we don't have to help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they're, you know, managing households, you know, in the stages of our, our kids and families right now all the time. Yeah. And uh, they, man, they're awesome. Yeah. Well, I think you got this from him, but like the reason this is such a part of what we're doing is that we were orphans and God adopted us. And I would just say to you, uh, you know, if you're running from God, you cannot outrun his grace. And uh, we love you and would love to help you know what it means to follow him. 
and we look forward to seeing you or you we don't see you you see us next week <laughs> i use that there's a reason i do that part <laughs> oh yeah that is why you do that part <laughs> just kidding i did terrible that's, that's right. why you close our services too that's right hey thanks for joining us we look forward to seeing you next week <laughs> thank you for listening to boggy talk don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a beat